0: Amy Carroll.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. I am a communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, and I'm delighted to be your host and excited to bring you insights and ideas to help you solve your communication conundrums. This is the 43rd episode of my show, Partner Up with Amy Carroll. If you want to find out more about me, what the show's about, feel free to listen to previous episodes on my website, carolcoaching.com, or go directly to the voiceamerica.com business channel, or you can always check it out on any of your preferred podcast apps. If you missed last week's show, my guest was Kristen Envig, who is a pioneer and thought leader in the field of creativity, feminine, authentic leadership, inspiring women worldwide to become agents of possibility. And she was named Diversity Global, or rather, by the Diversity Global magazine, she was named Top 10 Influential Women in Global Diversity. So you're going to want to make sure you check out that conversation from June 18th. And today, my guest is Matthias Hartman.
2: Welcome, Matthias. Thank you very much for having me again, Amy.
1: Yeah, and as you heard, listeners, she, Matthias said, again, because we had such a great time a couple of months ago talking about uh, the fear of presenting that Matthias and I talked again and said, let's find something else that you are skilled in that you want to share with the listeners. So if you didn't catch that episode a couple months ago, um, let me give you some more background on Matthias. He comes from a long career in international sales. His last position was a sales director for Europe, Middle East and Africa for a multinational. Managing and coaching sales managers is, or rather was, second nature for Matthias since he gave it up. gave up the corporate world to focus on the coaching part, lucky for us. And since becoming a life coach, Matthias uses an embodied approach, and I'm going to have him define that a little bit later if you're not familiar with that term, because it's really central to the work he does and what we'll be talking about today. And it enables him to dig deep into internal blockages of change. Having given up the corporate job also allowed Matthias to continue his journey inwards to help his clients experience transformational change. And this is what I love about Matthias' work. He's got this tagline, which is, the coach to call when life is calling for change. It says it all, I'd say. And Nat Nat originally, I would say, is from, Matthias is from Germany and he's lived in various cities, three continents, and he's been in 74 countries on the planet. Matthias, did you start counting at the beginning or was it just after reflection at some point?
2: No, somebody asked me. In fact, there is an app for this. I just typed in the countries into the app. So that's how I came up with 74. Oh, that's cool. Oh,
1: I'll have to do that. Yeah. (laughs) And like many gifted Europeans, Matthias speaks four languages fluently. And as you can see, I'm stumbling through my English today. I, you know, I struggle with with English and creative French. So I'm always very impressed when someone has that gift. And something that Matthias has, uh, his clients will sometimes say that they both hate him and love him in that order. And Matthias, perhaps you all also share with us why that is talking about this topic today that may come up. Okay. So Matthias, let's just dive in. Let's talk about this topic of fear of rejection and its impact on our lives and what we can do about it. Happy to do so. Would you start with a quick background and what that means, fear of rejection?
2: Sure. Uh, Amy, we all want to belong and we all want to get along. In fact, we are biologically wired with a longing to belong. And in the past, our survival rate actually increased once we are part of a group. So this is what we are biologically uh, kind of long for, belonging to belong. The flip side of belonging is rejection. Mm-hmm. So, so the fear of rejection is our worry not to belong, our worry not to be liked, and our worry not to be loved. And for me, Amy, this, I'm really interested in the subject because the big problem of this fear of rejection is that on the one hand, we look for approval and acceptance of who we are. Right. But then we don't express who we are because we are afraid of being rejected.
1: <laughs> oh, that's a catch-22. So and, I want to go back to something you said of, just right at the beginning. So this fear of rejection, when I'm thinking about it, I could accidentally assume it's superficial, like, oh, I I don't want someone, I want someone to like me. Though really what you're saying is it's much more um, significant than that. It's really, uh, if we don't if we feel that we're being rejected and we feel that we don't belong, there's a risk that we won't, literally won't survive because there's an interdependence on others. Is that the Cor- point?
2: Correct. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are hardwired, hard-wired. With, an, with an eagerness to belong. And also there are biochemicals being released when we do agree with other people. Dopamine is being released when we do agree with other people. Free drugs. So, yeah, free drugs. Uh, it actually makes you feel good. To be part of a group, to be yes. accepted, to be liked and loved. And it doesn't make you feel good at all when you are.
1: You just cut out yeah. there. So we to are hardwired say that again. with a lot And we it doesn't feel good
2: to be rejected.
1: Right. You know, it's true. I, when you were talking, it made me think about the true improv troops that I'm in. One troop is a French speaking troop, one's an English speaking troop. And there is so much especially in the English speaking troupe, so much play and teasing um, and joy. And you just, I feel so special just hanging out with these people.
2: Yeah. Makes you feel good.
1: Oh God, it's, it is. It really is free drugs.
2: Yeah. But Amy, um, since I mentioned that on the one hand, we would like to, be accepted for who we are. Yeah. But then we are afraid of not showing who we are because we're afraid of being rejected. Is there anything you actually are afraid of of expressing a part of you because you think, I can't express this because I'm afraid of being rejected? Is there anything you can think of?
1: I'm afraid to uh, show my judgy, I call it the, her the judgy Judy side, the opinionated side. Uh, the critical side, because I'm afraid that people will dislike me for being so judgmental.
2: Okay. And it doesn't make you feel good.
1: When I'm afraid they're going to dis
2: to reject me for sure. Oh no. That's why
1: I will keep it to myself sometimes.
2: Yeah. And Amy, this is another aspect, which is rather important, which I would like the audience to understand is often we need to make other people feel good about ourselves for us to actually feel good about ourselves as well. So if what other you people you mean don't, hold on? You mean
1: good about themselves?
2: No, if we for it's it's important that other people feel good about us. Okay, for, right. For us to feel good about us them uh, oh. ourselves. So if, if if somebody doesn't like you and you actually know this, you can't actually feel good about yourself in case other people don't feel good about you.
1: Yeah, that's that's a tough one.
2: That's a tough one, Yeah, But it is
1: possible, right? It's possible for me to feel okay and, and accepting of myself, even if someone doesn't like me? Correct.
2: Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll, yeah. We'll talk about this in a little while. Okay,
1: Okay. good. So, um, can you talk about what the role is that fear of rejection plays in our social interactions?
2: Okay. Uh, I mean, in social interactions, our focus is on what other people need. The focus is not on what you need, but what other people need. And you're striving hard to please others. In, in coaching, we call those people, people pleaser. Mm. And as a people pleaser, you don't stand your ground. You don't raise your voice. You even easily give in to peer pressure. You're being pushed around and, and, in the worst case, even manipulated. And what I see with my clients is you become also resentful. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah, there was a big oh, yeah. Perhaps you recognize yourself <laughs> because people pleaser, we make, we make, yeah, we please others. We make an effort so other people feel good about us. And then we kind of expect that other people do the same thing for us, which they don't. And, and then, then the resentment really kicks in. Goes.
1: So when you were saying that right now, I was thinking about this model of predator-prey partner that my sister, Pat, de- developed. And at first when you were describing the people-pleasers, I was, I was hearing, I was like, oh my gosh, that's somebody who's prey. I don't consider myself someone I don't that I don't go prey very often. And yet there are plenty of times when, I don't stand my ground, I, I or more so in the past, I wouldn't have been assertive. And what happens to me now is if somebody asks me to do something, or I feel an obligation to say something, and I really don't want to, yeah. I now check in with myself. And what will happen is, oh, if I do that thing, or if I don't do that thing, I'm going to feel resentful. And me... In a state of resentment is not a pretty picture. <laughs> Trust me on that one.
2: Yeah. Okay, But, yeah. but I'm mean, happy you have that awareness because few people do. Uh, um, awareness is very important. And if you're aware that you uh, resent others for not being nice to you, it's perfect. It's, it's the first step in the right direction.
1: Because it's going to, it might motivate me to be more assertive and speak up for myself?
2: Yeah, and be authentic, to be authentically be authentic. yourself. Yeah. This is, for, for me, a big thing, uh, or for, for clients, I should say, being your authentic self.
1: So true. Yeah, I, I come across a lot of clients where that's a very high value for them. So, as you know, I'm really interested in communication. Can you tell us how the fear of rejection impacts our communication? Maybe you're starting to say some of that now,
2: but I'm okay. curious to know what else. Sure. First of all, when it comes to communication and the fear of rejection is you say what people want to hear. Yeah. You don't even necessarily say what you what you actually deep down feel or are convinced about. You, feel, you, you say what people want to hear. And on top of it, the fear of rejection makes you s- say the wrong thing. Uh, you may agree on stuff. And deep down, you don't agree on this, but you just agree on it anyway. Uh, Again, talking about uh, being authentic, uh, fear of rejection makes you inauthentic. Um, The worst part is that you forget to say no. Uh, Somebody asks you to do something. Somebody asks you if you like something. Somebody asks you for whatever. You're going to agree because you're afraid of being rejected. Uh, I think this is the worst part uh, when it comes to communication that um, you forget to say no. So basically, simple um, verbal communication can overwhelm. And if you are afraid of being rejected, you focus on the type of communication which you can control. And that I see in social media a lot because in social media you can't control what people see of you, what people hear of you, what people what you say.
1: Right. And yet what I hear from a lot of people is that we're many of us are not fully authentic in social media. So how does that match? You,
2: you are to the extent authentic, to the extent you would like other people to believe and see who you are. You're not going to put anything out on social media. You think like, Oh, I'm not comfortable with that putting out there in a, in a verbal communication. People can see instantly how you feel about something. They ask you something. I mean, facial expressions, body expression, body posture, everything is being revealed instantly. Mm-hmm. In, a, in a verbal communication, it's much more difficult to hide how you truly feel. True. When it comes to social media, um, yeah, you you put out there what you want other people to see from you, of you.
1: Uh-huh. So to the extent that it's yeah. authentic, because it's re- yeah. what I want them to see. It,
2: exactly. And mm. the, other, the last aspect of when it comes to communication and the fear of, uh, the fear of rejection is to give authentic feedback becomes a challenge. And, and I just, and yeah, it, it, it is a big issue. You, you cannot give authentic feedback in case you are afraid of being rejected. I just wonder, you just said that right. Is anything coming to your mind where you think like, oh, yeah, uh, that makes me think of something?
1: Well, it's interesting. When I've got my coach hat on, I'm much more brave and courageous to say the truth because there's a part of me that feels an obligation. So, like, I've got to say I have a client in front of me and the way they're behaving is um, aggressive or intimidating or... um, There's something that maybe they need to hear that is going to that I sense is going to be difficult for them to hear. So, of course, we want to avoid saying that. And if this person was just my friend, I might wimp out and not say it. Whereas when I'm in the role as coach, I feel like, hey, that's part of my responsibility to speak um, my truth, my you know, what my perception is, because that this thing is maybe holding them back. So it's funny how when I'm in the role of coach, I'm, I have more willingness, more confidence. And it's bit me sometimes. I I once had a client who she was very intimidating and scary. And the camera was rolling when it happened. Okay. <laughs> and she, she got really aggressive with me. And even that, you know, even just for me to say, um, per, you know, perhaps you'd be, do you think maybe, would it be okay if you... <laughs> here's some chocolate and would you watch the video (laughs) you know so I'm going off on tangent though that's one thing that's making me think of
2: Yeah, but I find it interesting Amy that you need to have a head of the coach on in order to, to give authentic feedback uh, I just wonder what the Amy Amy does in case she doesn't have a hat on, uh in terms of giving authentic feedback. I don't want to discuss this here, but all I'm saying is it's it's interesting what you're saying there.
1: No, 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 I'll go I'll go there. So the Amy Amy, um if I'm noticing I'm uncomfortable and there's something I wanna say, I I'll review it. I'll I'll use all the skills I use I teach people. So um I might write it out. I might do a couple of versions so I can come up with a version that is going to be most positively received or with the least amount of pain. Sometimes I'll I'll purposely communicate through email because I know it's going to be easier for the person to digest it. They'll feel less defensive because I won't be face to face with them. Maybe sometimes I'll do it by email to chicken out because it's also easier for me. I was, I, I was
2: about to say, yes, you're hiding behind an email.
1: And sometimes I, I believe the hiding behind the email is okay because of exactly what you said earlier, face to face, they can read things on the face. Also, if they're under um, pressure and stress, sometimes they're not going to hear everything I've said. Yeah, And the email will give them time to digest it and read through it and read it again. Um, so sometimes I'm doing it for my benefit, sometimes for theirs, sometimes for both of us. Okay. And, and I guess if I want to flip it around to Matthias, would that be interesting when I'm thinking sure. about, yeah, okay, sure. because running my own company, I have three amazing women that work for me and I want to walk my talk. So I want to be honest with them. I want them to be honest with me. And that's still, I think that's an understandably scary request and, and intimidating and, and overwhelming sometimes because one i i already have a strong personality plus i'm the boss so there's that mismatch in power dynamic and then whatever reason they may have that it might be difficult to speak up and and to either disagree with me or confront me or give me bad news that um that's something that i'm actively working on with my team is to really to encourage them to say what they need to say
2: okay uh, obviously, for me as a coach, I listen I listen to your words, and the, the key word which stood out for me is scary. So scary refers to there is a fear, uh, and either it's a fear of rejection or perhaps there's a power play, power thing going on here. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're not going to discuss this here now, but uh, I thought it was interesting.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's um, it, it's great to be reminded of it. And the more I say things out loud, like here, this is now recorded. <laughs> there's people listening to this. So it makes me even more obligated to walk my talk. You know, if I'm preaching it, then I got to put it into practice.
2: <laughs> be be authentically yourself.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, Matthias, we mentioned at the intro that you're an embodied life coach. Most likely your clients talk a lot about their relationships. Can you give a few examples of how, the fear of rejection shows up in relationships, and maybe even prior to that, give us that definition for embodied coaching.
2: Okay. Now, embodiment for me is, uh, is very important. I believe that the body has wisdom. Most people, however, overly rely on their mental intelligence instead of tapping into the wisdom of their body. So in my coaching, I allow the body's intelligence to help the client. That's how I would just uh, briefly introduce embodiment. When it comes to the fear of rejection in a relationship, um, I need to just um, perhaps start somewhere else first because a close relationship uh, can bring up a lot of fears. There is this fear of commitment. There's the fear of abandonment. There's the fear of being alone. There's a the fear of intimacy, and. All of those are linked to the fear of rejection. But let me give you a couple of examples how fear of rejection shows up in the relationship. Um, first of all, you don't show your true emotions in case your partner cannot deal with those emotions.
1: Okay, so you, well, then, actually, you don't show your true emotions in case my partner can't deal with them.
2: If if your partner can't deal with your anger, you and your fear you're afraid of being rejected, being oh. abandoned, yep. you're not gonna show that anger. You're gonna keep right. that anger in. Yep. Then another thing is uh where fear of rejection shows up in a relationship is that you you say a lot, whatever you prefer. Your partner suggests something, proposes something, has an idea, you say, Oh, that's fine whatever you prefer, I'm good with anything, because you're afraid of coming up with something yourself, then being afraid of being rejected. At the end of the day, you apologize all the time. And uh, what you, what I also see in relationship is, relationships is that uh, if you're afraid of being rejected, you are the jealous type. So you actually expect betrayal, you expect mistrust, because you're afraid of being rejected, and... Then you even may sabotage the relationship, being afraid of your partner um, kind of uh, yeah, ending the relationship. Uh, in the worst case, you end up in a destructive relationship, and you may even accept abuse in order to belong.
1: Oh, interesting. I know one of the patterns I see with people in um, relationships that one could describe as abusive is – They, I don't know what fear this speaks to, um, they stay too long until they're literally depleted because they either, I don't know, I don't know what motivates that. Do you have a sense?
2: Well, if, if you stay in a relationship too long and, or if you stay in a job too long, which is unfulfilling, if you stay in a relationship too, too long, which yeah. is unfulfilling, basically there is a fear, an underlying fear in there for you to be alone without a job, without a partner.
1: Mm, okay. Okay. So the fear of being alone. hmm And I assume the fear of rejection pretty much starts like, when we're on the first date at this, if you're describing. Maybe
2: you, you will be surprised it does. And when you are on the first date, the question is, how much does this person like me? Instead of you actually asking yourself, how much do I actually like that person? So again, we, we're talking about authenticity here. Because if you're focusing on if the other person likes you, you're not authentically yourself. You, you basically get pleasing the other person. Just to make sure the other person likes you, in other words, the other person doesn 't reject you. then you come across as bland and inauthentic, and then you I wonder why why you never have, why you never hear from that person again mm. so, so you, the, you avoid dates, you basically avoid dates uh, and you become a loner loner in in the worst case
1: and I wonder if that's part of what causes a lot of i mean there 's going to be stress either way the stress of trying to Present your perfect self or a, a, this person that this other person is going to be attracted to, or the flip side is I, I'm going to be myself and there's a risk that I'll be rejected.
2: Well, what do you prefer? I think you we mm. should all opt for being authentically ourselves instead of being totally stuck in a relationship for it. Heck whatever. yes! Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, that's that's definitely my uh preference. <laughs> So, um, we're going to go to a break in a minute, and I'm wondering if maybe you have a pre-break exercise for the audience.
2: Yes, Amy, I do. Uh, And because we all do things for other people all the time, and I would like the audience to think about what is the motivation behind that? Why do you actually do things for others? Is it positive choice, or is it uh, sense of duty is it guilt or is it fear of rejection and so, so that,
1: our ch- options are why we do things for other people positive choice guilt fe- ju- ju- fear, fear of rejection
2: duty, duty, duty or fear of rejection okay so uh basically you, we can categorize uh, our actions in one of those four categories and i would be interested to know uh why you do something for other people. In the ideal world, it is positive choice. But very often I see that people act and do things all day long because they feel guilty, because they actually feel uh, it's their duty, mm-hmm. or they're, they're being afraid of being rejected. Those are all not positive choices. And then you, run all day, or you spend all day doing things for other people out of guilt or out of fear yeah uh and obviously this is then making a very unfulfilling day and that unfulfilling day becomes an unfulfilling week or year or life Oof. uh in case you don't do it uh, out of positive choice mm. um, so i would like to yeah ask the audience to think about why they're doing certain things for other people
1: okay so uh listeners when we come back from break uh we'll be talking more about this with matthias though if you want to connect with matthias uh, Matthias, would you remind us what your website is?
2: It's E M um, B O T H uh, embodyone dot uh, one, and um, so um, yeah. it's how do you spell it? E M B O D H I dot one, like the, uh, O-N-E. O N E O N E, right? Perfect. Yes.
1: Okay, so it's spelled out one, and. Listeners, if you're ready to take your superhero partner powers into the next decade, join me for my online leadership presence course. And you can find details on my website, carolcoaching.com. That's two R's, two L's. When we come back from the break, we're going to be hearing more from Matthias. Stay tuned. You're listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice america. Do you have colleagues, family members, or neighbors that just drive you crazy sometimes? Do you occasionally find yourself feeling disrespected, mistreated, or annoyed by others? As a no nonsense communication coach, trainer, speaker, and author, Amy Carroll may have a solution for you. For over 35 years, Amy has studied status and power dynamics, what sabotages relationships, results, and how to get desired outcomes in business and personal interactions. Make your partner look good is a philosophy from improvisational theatre, as well as Amy's favourite mantra. For the last 20 years, she has been using her superhero powers to inspire individuals and multinationals around the globe to transform their communication and tap into their own partner powers. With concrete behaviour changes in voice, body language, words and attitude, Amy shows clients what to keep and what to change to get more of what you want, more often, with less hassle. Visit carolcoaching.com today. That's C A R R O L L coaching.com. You are listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. We want participation from you. Feel free to send an email to amy at carolcoaching.com. Now, back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Here again is Amy.
1: Welcome back to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. I'm speaking with my guest today, Matthias Hartmann. And we have been talking about the fear of rejection. Now, the first half, we were talking more like on personal level with personal relationships. And we're going to be shifting more now to the business environment. Though before we do, let us I'm going to turn it over to you, Matthias, to um, check in for the pre-break assignment you gave
2: listeners. Henry. Yes, <laughs> Yes, I just wanted to ask uh, the audience and also you, Amy, uh, what we do all day, is this based on positive choice? Is it based on guilt uh, or a duty or fear of rejection? I just wonder if you had time to think about something during the break, what you do, and what, and what is your motivation to do it, actually?
1: Well, honestly, I was a little horrified what came up <laughs> because... I have this story about, oh, I live my life, how I want to live my life. I do what I want to do when I want to do it. And that, you know, sometimes that annoys some people. And yet the amount of times I say yes to things out of obligation, guilt, or fear of rejection is I can already think of a couple of things I did today. You know, I I, I heard my neighbor um, around the corner and I was out on my balcony and I thought, oh, she probably hears me. I should be polite and say hello. Now, it was a lovely exchange and I've got an an invitation for, you know, to have a drink together as a result, Um, (laughs) though, if I was being 100% honest, I may have just um, chilled out and not reached out to say hello. So that sense of obligation and, and, you know, like you said, because it's, you know, for different reasons is... More prevalent than I would like to admit.
2: Okay, interesting. Do you think she would have felt rejected in case you would have ignored her?
1: No, no, not in that case. Okay, if, if she didn't. You know, we couldn't see each other. There was a wall, oh. and yeah. So okay. if she saw me, and I didn't say anything. I, I think she would have. She could have been offended because that it's almost ridiculous to ignore someone to not have a conversation.
2: Okay. Yeah, not, that makes this interesting. Okay.
1: Yeah. Thanks, thanks for sharing. And then the other thing I was thinking of was um, a business situation where I made a mistake in an offer I sent to a client, and I had to call the client up and give them bad news, say, oh, yeah, that offer I sent you? Mm, yeah. that You know, it's it's not going to, because there was no way I could deliver on that offer. And so I really had to say um, it's going to have to change, and so I was going to be delivering bad news to her. And I remember feeling like afraid that she uh, she might pressure me into, um, you know, some saying, "Hey, well, this was the offer you sent me." Um, so I was a little nervous about that, and and I think there was a, a second I was thinking, "Gosh, can I possibly say yes to this just to avoid." <laughs> Oh, I would have been miserable. So yeah, so what I did was I checked, I thought, you know, it it was kind of easy because the offer was I had done such a mistake in the offer, you know, there. So yeah, so that was a, a recent situation that came up.
2: No I'm glad you're not hiding behind or you were not hiding behind an email as you, as you mentioned before you actually <laughs> thank you. you you actually picked up the phone uh and, and confronted the situation uh and corrected it so that, that's great um yeah
1: that's a cool good point and for me it was i knew I had to because this was you know for it was a significant mistake and I needed to make sure I could connect with her and i was will i was prepared for her dissatisfaction and amazingly she was completely fine with it.
2: Yeah, yeah. So you were preparing for a possible rejection,
1: mm, which point. at the end of
2: the day didn't happen. Yes, and this is also very interesting because how often is it actually happening that we are right. that we're being rejected? Right, really, really. Yeah. Uh, so, but we still run around with this fear of rejection, although it happens so rarely.
1: Yeah, that's true. So let's talk more about the work environment. I'd be interested to know how fear of rejection shows up specifically in the workplace.
2: Okay, Amy, let me me cover this. Um, The fear of rejection shows up with the people pleaser I already mentioned before. Uh, If you're a people pleaser at home, most likely you're also a people pleaser at work. And people pleasers happen also to be kind of on the perfectionist side. Those are the people who do something for 110% because they look for approval, which is the opposite of rejection. Mm. And um, they're more uh, concerned about the end result than actually the work they put in. So for them, it's what what comes out is more important than, than the work itself. So oh. what they focus on is the end result. They, they don't necessarily enjoy working on it as long as they get approval for the end result. I see. And um, because what I mentioned uh, under certific- uh, under communication, since you forgot how to say no, uh, let's say uh, your boss or colleagues uh, come to you, like, can you do this? Can you take care of that? What are you going to say yes to everything? And now you mentioned the combination of people uh, trying to please, uh, Trying to be a perfectionist and and you can't say no. Uh, so in the work environment, if you're afraid of being rejected, most likely you are stressed.
1: Oh my god, the, yes.
2: To the point of burnout, because if imagine you combine can't say no and and you're a perfectionist. Uh, that's that's a very bad combination. Uh, The other thing I would like to say is uh, when it comes to the work environment is uh, that you're afraid of asking for help. You you basically try not to ask for help. You are a loner, loner at work. You Mm. try to figure out everything by yourself because if you would ask for help, obviously there is the possibility of rejection. Right. Um, the other thing is in the work of mind that is that you most likely become very indecisive. You can't make up your mind. Um, and um, definitely you can't deal with critical uh, constructive feedback uh, because you're afraid of when, when you do get uh, feedback or critical feedback, it comes across as an attack right. on the whole person. That, that's how you take it at least.
1: Even if it's well-constructed, the per- you're still going to be really mm-hmm.
2: yeah, and and uh, this is pretty pretty sad because constructive critical feedback is there for you to learn. Right. Uh, if you feel attacked uh, to your core, uh, then you're not going to listen. You block. You instantly yeah. feel rejected, uh, and uh, all this constructive critical feedback uh, basically uh, goes in one ear and comes out the other. You you, you don't learn from this.
1: Right. So I'm guessing there's consequences for companies employing people, pleasers and other types.
2: The the consequences for companies are severe uh, because the fear of rejection makes people think small and act small. And Mm. so people pleasers also tend to be risk avoiders. Mm -hmm. And if you are an accountant That's great. You don't want to take risks. Uh, But if you are in a position where taking risks are important once in a while, uh, you don't want to think small and act small. Um, Another negative aspect for the company is that if you sit in a strategy meeting and you have a people pleaser in the room or somebody who is afraid of being rejected, they agree on whatever the majority agrees on. Um, they just give you a false agreement. They're not really deep down what they think. They're just going to go with go with the flow. Um, so, also, not an ideal situation for a company. And
1: I want to yeah, add, sure. add, you just made me think of a technique. Um, I don't know if it's called a technique, a, a tool. Yeah, it's a tool I offer my clients uh, is to ask people on a regular basis, what do you need to tell me that you don't want to tell me? <laughs> <laughs> because if let's say you're my boss or, you know, it's going to be easier for you as a boss to tell me Though if you're my colleague or my subordinate and you're a people pleaser, you're going to avoid it. And so if I say to you, Hey, Matthias, what do you need to tell me? You don't want to tell me first time. You'll probably say, Oh, nothing. No. And it's my job to keep asking. Cause one day, if I'm really lucky, you might take the plunge and be brave and tell me. Though I don't, just because you have something important that I need to know, I don't rely on you to be doing that. It's my job to seek that out. So that's a w- one like strategy, a workaround if you're dealing with a lot of people pleasers is be asking that question regularly.
2: C- correct. And, and my role as a, as a coach is to challenge people and how often do I actually I, I just throw stuff at them and ask them, Think about it, how can I be wrong for them to think, "Oh, how can my tears be wrong for them to actually say, okay no this doesn't this lands and this doesn't land um, and um, the other aspect what I needed to think about when you what you just uh, mentioned yourself, Amy, in coaching the coaching environment allows people to open up and say things they necessarily wouldn't say in a normal environment. So this is great for me as a coach to be, to create a space where people can can open up and say things without that fear of being rejected.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's, it's a safe playground to practice.
2: Correct. Mm. Uh, There's just two more elements, which I would like to cover when it comes to the consequences for companies is uh, if you are afraid of being rejected, you tend to stay in the same position for basically decades. Uh, you don't want to grow. You don't want to make a career. You are uh, yeah, afraid of being rejected, moving up the ladder. So uh, often this results in underutilized human potential. Right. Uh, and um, per- personally, yeah, uh, the people pleasers don't pursue their goals. They don't pursue their dreams. They don't pursue their career, which I find, Very sad. Yeah. So uh,
1: in our last interview, you mentioned that there are no negative emotions, including fear. You also said there's no positive emotions. Nonetheless, what is the benefit or the bright side, assuming there is one, (laughs) of the fear of rejection?
2: Amy, there are a couple of, actually four main points I would like to cover. Uh, first of all, the most important one is that rejection can be a gift. Hmm. And, and let me repeat this, rejection can be a gift. Difficult to imagine, but imagine okay. it's it can, you apply for a job and you're being rejected. Okay. You take this rejection badly because that was supposedly your dream job. Right. But since this, uh, because you didn't get the job, uh, this rejection may have saved you spending decades in the wrong company.
1: Mm.
2: We talked about a first date and perhaps that date, first date didn't go that well. Uh, And um, rejection, being rejected by that other person obviously hurts initially, but it may save you spending decades or years in the wrong relationship. Rejection if, if you want to become a group of whatever group and you're being rejected, that hurts initially. But being rejected saves you, again, years or decades uh, spending time in the wrong group. So re- just see it from the positive side and see rejection as a gift. So this is the one thing I would like to make really clear. Mm-hmm. The other aspect uh, from looking at it from the positive side is that everybody has the right... Not to like me, and I have the right not to like somebody else. So you you don't need to like me, Amy, and I don't need to like you. So it's not that I reject you or you reject me. There is no need to give any reasons for not liking something. Mm-hmm. So so uh, however, it's it it can be liberating to realize oh. Um, yeah, that person doesn't like me. Instead of saying, well, that person rejects me. yeah, It hurts much more if you think like, oh, I'm being rejected. Realizing mm-hmm. that this person has the right not to like me, who cares? So what?
1: Yeah. I, I don't know if I talked about this on another show or w- maybe with you another time. When I first moved to Switzerland, I, uh, there was an American woman who pulled me to the side and she said, oh, Amy. You gotta pull it in, girl. <laughs> Meaning my personality was too vivacious or extroverted. And I was really struck by this and very concerned and was and er- very earnest. And I thought, okay, I, I can do that, you know, because I want I want to be successful in Switzerland and I want people to like me. And I don't know, a couple of weeks went by, a couple of months maybe, and I was like, oh, screw that. <laughs> I'm not going to be happy pretending to not be me. So I got a, at peace with that. And I also accepted, Amy, there's going to be people that will not like you because you've got a strong personality. And for whatever reason, and that's okay. So just what you're saying. And then I also saw there's going to be plenty of other people that will like me, who will want what I have, who will be want to connect with me. And then going back to the, the gift is, you know, I can't, I can't connect with everyone anyway. So it's okay that not everyone um, will like the delightful Amy Carroll. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Correct. Good, 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 good example. <laughs> um, the other positive side of the fear of rejection is that it gives you the possibility to, to learn. From constructive feedback, what I mentioned before, uh, you can you can learn from this and and see the positive side of it and and ask for feedback. Yes. If you if you do feel rejected or somebody after job application somebody sends you just a general letter whatever, just yeah. check why why did you actually uh, not uh, accept me for that position? And you can learn from that feedback. Yes, yeah. And and the last thing I would like to say is, uh, Amy, is rejection is a possibility. Acceptance is another possibility. So just focus on what you want. And if you think, of you're so fearful, oh my God, they're gonna reject me, they're gonna not accept me, and they don't gonna like me, they're not gonna love me. Um, Obviously that's what you're gonna attract. Uh, So if you focus on the possibility of acceptance, your likelihood, your whole energy just shifts completely. So those are the positive things I would like to mention when it comes to the fear of rejection. It's not all Mm -hmm. bad.
1: Yeah. And another thing that came to me earlier when you're talking is, um, the. I don't know now if I can remember how I was thinking. It was like there's important information that if someone's not satisfied with something, if we think what they have to say is valid – maybe we can become curious and make changes. Like here's an example. Many years ago, I was in a relationship with a lovely human being who said to me one day, honey, you're really selfish. And he did did not mean it as a compliment, Matthias. (laughs) Okay. And it was like so painful because I had such a high opinion of him. And of course I wanted him to think I was kind and loving all the time. And, he didn't say it to be cruel. It was more like, this is information for you, you know? And so he said it. Now, fast forward five years later, a good friend of mine was visiting. We were out for a walk, and she was really mad at me about something apparently I had done. And she turned to me, and in a very angry voice, she said to me, Amy, you are so selfish. And I, my response was so calm. I just said, tell me more. Or some, or something, you know. I, I, I blew my mind. I was able to be in a place of curiosity, and I didn't have, I didn't, I felt bad that she felt bad, and and that I had done something that may have upset her, and I was also very willing to explore it and listen to her and and consider making a change if that seemed okay to me. That I w- and something I wouldn't feel resentful about. Um, so it was amazing to see that change okay it came from two different people though her opinion is very important to me as well so um that i felt like you know there must have been some growth in there somewhere
2: (laughs) no i find it amazing first of all your your reaction the second time however the reaction the first time clearly indicates that subconsciously your mind already put you uh outside the relationship uh you being alone um and uh, you may be on the street. Uh, perhaps there's financial aspects here. Um, so subconsciously, your mind takes you much further than you than you might, may realize. And if your partner tells you you're selfish, obviously, the fear reaction kicks in dramatically yeah. compared to when a friend tells you. But yeah, uh, yeah, compliments that you were able to uh, so graciously uh, put, to respond to that uh, accusation of being selfish. Yeah.
1: So, um we're starting to run out of time, Matthias. So I want to make sure that we cover some more juicy bits. So where should we go next? Should we talk about um, things we can do to better deal with fear of rejection?
2: Amy, um, I mean, there's one important thing about uh, how fear makes us feel, I would like to cover. Okay. Uh, and um, I would like to make another bold statement. Uh, I would put, like to put out there that we are not really afraid... Of being rejected, we are afraid of how it makes us feel. Just as we mentioned before, how often does real rejection actually happen in our lives? Rarely. Uh, however, we are afraid of how it makes us feel. And all fear is fear of feeling. Hmm. Let me say that again. All fear is made is, is, is fear of feeling. Okay. And like all feelings, they're impermanent. So so people stay in a relationship permanently. They stay in a job permanently because they are afraid of an impermanent feeling. Mm. So that is, for me, an important point I wanted to just uh, cover. Uh, We can move on to practical things, what to do. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, um, For me, it's very important that Nobody accepts abuse in order to belong. Preach it. Uh, And it's just scary to see, especially women, uh, suffering in a relationship, uh, being afraid of being rejected, being afraid of being alone on the street, abandoned, uh, accept abuse in order to belong. Don't accept abuse in order to belong.
1: So I want to support that with a book's recommendation in case people are listening and you um, either you know someone who is in a verbally abusive relationship or you suspect you might be. And I, I think that's actually the title of the book, The Verbally Abusive Relationship. I don't have the name of the author in my mind, though I can highly recommend that book.
2: Okay. Yeah. Another practical thing people can do is to practice saying no where it does matter, and then say no where it does. Um, it's very important, just uh, practice, practice saying no. Somebody wants something from you, uh, and you say no. Uh, and um, so, yeah, simple, In simple.
1: In improv, we teach new people who join, and sometimes the old ones have to, have to practice it ourselves is, um, a, a fr- a, I don't know what if we call it a friendly rejection or a happy rejection and so we always want people to feel safe and know their boundaries. So if you and I are doing a scene and you say something that, to me that upsets me or, or if I feel uncomfortable or whatever reason, I don't want to continue or I don't want to accept the offer, I could just say, nope. And so you just this very happy. <laughs> yeah, isn't that great? Nope. And you do this in a very happy, upbeat, friendly. Yeah. And, you know, that's the limit.
2: Yeah. Um, the other practical thing people could do is recognize internal rejection. Internal rejection, I mean, when you, when you tell yourself, I'm not good enough, I'm not bright enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not young enough, I'm not old enough, whatever it is, this internal is you hear, which stops you in the tracks, you reject yourself in those incidences. So uh, be aware when you uh, reject yourself um, wow. in, in life. Do you have uh, a,
1: a concrete example of when people reject themselves?
2: Um, if, if you want to apply for a job uh, and you think like, "Oh, this position is ideal," but I don't have the right qualifications, I don't have the right looks, I don't whatever, uh, you reject yourself. And at the end of the day, you decide not to actually send the application. You said, "You know what? Why bother? Uh, mm. I, I'm not. I'm not having the right uh, qualifications." Got it. So you you reject yourself. The, the HR person can't even reject your application right. because you never you <laughs> never send it.
1: Yeah. Matthias, um, you may have one more thing you want to add to that. And then I'm going to invite you to share your call for action.
2: Yes. Um, well, uh, the call, let me start with the call for action, uh, which, which is rather important. Uh, and um, I would like to ask the audience what you do every day in your life in order to belong versus what you do in your life to live your dream. Wow. Check your diary, check what you do all day, check what you do for other people, and just create a little list and create a balance. What do you do in order to belong versus what you do to live your dream? And at the end of the day, for me it's important that people live their dream while belonging. And but if you do a lot of things out of fear or duty or obligation. Uh, you may not be living your dream. So for me, that's very important that people have an idea and awareness uh, of of that. So this is my call for action for the audience.
1: Wonderful. And you have a gorgeous quote I remember you telling me about.
2: Yes, um, it's from Charles Bukowski. Uh, I love this quote, which says, can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? Hmm. And uh, can can I repeat this quickly? Can you yes. remember can you remember who you were before the world told you who you should be? Nice. Love that. Um, and um, yeah, that's uh, will be an ending quote.
1: Okay, well, I want my call for action is for listeners to Send me, as you're listening to Matthias and you're thinking about your fear of rejection, you may, may bring up for you your communication conundrums, clashes, challenges, mishaps, blunders, and successes. So send those to me via email, and I'll discuss them on future shows. And you can email me at amy at carolcoaching.com. Matthias, thank you so much. And if you want to get in touch with Matthias, Matthias, one more time, give us your website.
2: E M B O D H I. Dot and body.one.
1: Okay, great. So you'll be able to connect with Matthias that way. And be sure to tune in, switch on, listen up and be inspired next week because I'm going to be talking with my compute my, what do I call her? My communication compadre and social media woman, T will be talking more about communication challenges. You can check out more information, get connect with me on my social media channels, Amy Carol Coaching. And if you're game for more, I'll be hopping over to Facebook Live five minutes past the hour for a short chat from today's call. Thank you, Matthias. It's been a delightful conversation. Thank you, Amy. And thank you, listeners. You've been listening to Partner Up with Amy Carroll on the Voice America Business Channel. Happy partnering, everyone.
0: Thank you for tuning in to Partner Up with Amy Carroll. Join Amy for another edition next Friday at 7 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Central European Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Until we speak again, make it a great week. And remember, make your partner look good.